Well, today in our All In message series, we're going to be talking about the recruits. Somebody say recruits. The goal of today is to answer a question, and the question is this. It's up on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, why do we serve? Why do we serve? Why do we, why do we serve? What is the motivation behind what we do? Why do we serve our families the way we do? Why do we serve in our career space the way we do? Why do we serve at church the way we do? And here's the truth. Whether we realize it or not, all of us, we're in a, in a, in a capacity of our life where all of us are serving in one way, shape, or form. You know, some people do the bare minimum. Don't elbow the person next to you. Babe, why are you saying yeah? Like, it's like you got a, you got a testimony you need to share. Um, and some people, like, they go way overboard and they go way over the top when it comes to serving. And here's the reality we all serve with different motives. Here's some of the motives we serve with. Some people serve because of guilt, and they serve because they feel guilty, they, they uh, feel like they have to rather than they get to. Uh, they're usually unhappy giving half of their heart, giving half effort. And honestly, you can recognize people who serve out of guilt because they complain a lot. They, they, they don't give a lot of effort to what they do. Uh, we, could, we could, and here's why I know that, because I've been one of them, okay? So I'm not like making fun of anybody today. I've been there before. Here, here's, a, here's another reason why people um, serve. Some people serve because of gain. Because of gain, because of what they can get out of it. And so you can tell these type of people because they're always saying, hey, look at me. Look at what I did. They're looking for props. They're, they're looking for people to say great job. And they're looking for recognition. They're looking for people to prop them up. Here's how I know that to be true, too, because I've been there before. I've been there before. I know what that's like. And some people serve because they've been called. They've been recruited by God. The title of our message today is The Recruit. See, you can recognize them because they serve with a different kind of joy. Uh, they serve because they have been called. You know, today we are appreciating teachers. And I got to tell you, being an educator is a definite calling. Can I get an amen in the house? And, and you, if you're not an educator, you better say amen really loud because you know that you don't have what it takes because you haven't been called. But those educators that have been called, They've got what it takes. And I want to tell you, educator today, you got what it takes to make it through another year. I know sometimes you probably start the year off and go, how in the world do I do this every single year? And the year is coming around again. It's because you've been called. You've got something in you. You've got a grid in you and you've got the call of God on your life. See, when people serve simply because they have been called, they do it uh, out of unselfish gain. They are simply to be a person who is blessing and caring for other people. I want to make our question that we open with personal today, and I want to ask you this question. Why do you serve? Do you serve because you feel guilty? Do you serve because you're so focused on gaining, or you do you serve simply because you've been called? It's what God has asked you to do. See, what does it sound like when God calls us to serve as people? What does it sound like? I want you to open to our text for today, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verse 28 through 30. This is what I'm calling the recruit letter from Jesus. Uh, some of you, it's going to be a reminder today. And some of you, maybe if you don't have a relationship or you're maybe far from him today, I want to remind you 
what it sounds like when the king of the universe, the creator of the world, recruits you to be a part of his family. Here's what it says. It'll be up on the screen. It says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we thank you for who you are. God, we know today as we open your word that of ourself, our own strength, our own power, there are many difficult things that are hard to understand. But today, with the help of your Holy Spirit, we ask you to allow our hearts to receive your word today and hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, somebody say a big, loud amen. amen. As we look at our text today, I notice a few things as, as Jesus is recruiting people into his family. Here are some of his recruiting methods. The first thing I notice is this, that every recruit is invited to rest. Somebody say rest. rest. Yeah, Jesus is on mission to help people to be a part of his family, and before they ever do a single thing for him, They've got to learn how to rest. We see this in verse 28 in our scripture. How many know that humans have been wrestling there throughout all of history? They've been trying to overcome sin and it has not worked. They have been full of shame and embarrassment and they have not known what to do with it. They've tried to control their lustful desires and they cannot. And at the same time, we also understand the world is not all bad. In fact, how many know God created the world? We're blessed by incredible things in the world that God has created. And there's some people that the world has not gone bad for them. They have not suffered traumatic experiences and a background in their family history. Not everybody struggles as much as others. Some people, in fact, they've got a great job, They've got a great salary. They've got a good marriage. And they've got kids that they're proud of. However, when confronted with spiritual things, they wonder like every other human does, is God actually real or not? And if he is real, does he care about me? Would he forgive me too? Would he come and heal my heart too. And Jesus's response to these people are in this recruit letter. And I love how the message translation says it. It says it like this in verse 28. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me and get away with me and you will recover your life. Jesus is simply saying to us who have been recruited, he's saying, would you like to rest? Are you tired of struggling? Anybody ever been there before? I'm just tired. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of fighting. I I obviously don't have what it takes. And Jesus says, hey, come away with me and get away with me. Because when you do, I'm going to recover your life. You're going to have breath in your lungs again. You're going to have air under your wings again. Life is going to be a little lighter. Everything that's been stolen from you because of sin, God says, I'm going to salvage your life. Everything, every question you've ever wondered in the world, I will begin to slowly reveal myself to you. And some people generally would hear the call from Jesus like that and say, but are you sure, God? I mean, are you sure you want to do that for me too? Now, how many know, probably one of the most widely known scriptures in all the Bible, John 3, 16, can answer that question for this person. It simply says, for God so loves the world... 
How many of you are a part of the world? That includes you. God loves the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. Did you notice the word whoever? God doesn't discriminate when he shares his love with people. He doesn't discriminate when he's dealing with sin. He wants to make sure that everybody can experience freedom from sin. So that would mean it includes you too. God's desire is to recruit us into his family so that we can also have everlasting life. You know, we see all throughout scripture that God actually recruits all different kinds of people. You know, we see that God recruits blue collar workers like Peter the fisherman. We see that he recruits corrupt government employees like Matthew the tax collector. We see that he also corrupts or recruits people who are corrupt in religious systems like Paul, who actually murdered people because they were believers in Jesus. We see that he recruited people who struggled with sin and selfishness like Judas or the woman at the well. What did all these recruits have in common? They were tired. They were worn out. They had had enough from religion. And they all said yes to Jesus. They said yes to his invitation to be recruited into the family of God. And I want you to know today that if you are not a part of the family of God, God extends his invitation to you as well, that you can take a rest and that your life can be recovered. Here's the question I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us today, and it's this. And I want you to think about it in your mind. And if you're taking notes uh, from the Church Center app or you grab the fill in the blank, I just want you to answer this question. Have you taken up Jesus's offer to rest? to be a part of his family, yes or no. It's only from rest that our motives could actually be in the right place as we serve our families, as we serve in the workplace, as we serve our community, as we serve our church. And for so many people, it's hard to rest because there's so much to do. How many of you know that's so true? Especially we got the fall season upon us. School has already started in many places and it can nearly feel impossible to rest with the workload. But here's something that can help you out in your notes. We know we can rest on earth because he rules from eternity. See, when we, when we know this to be true in our heart, that God actually rules from eternity, we can actually have some rest here on earth because we know that God's in control. Let that sink in for a moment. We can rest on earth because he rules from eternity. When we realize that God's in control, we don't have to fear. We don't have to strive and compete with other people. We don't have to be worried that we're going to lose out because we know that God's in charge and he's in control. And how many know that God takes really good care of his kids? Even the greatest father on the planet, the greatest mother on the planet, as good as they are, they, they don't compare to how incredible The Father in heaven is. He knows how to take really good care of us. We're talking about being all in in our series today. The title of our message is The Recruit. The first thing we notice in our passage is that every recruit is invited to rest. The second thing I notice in our passage as we look at the recruiting method of Jesus in your notes is every recruit is invited to surrender. Somebody say surrender. Surrender is not a fun word, is it? Does anybody like to surrender their own will in their own way, 
and bend to what others want. That is a difficult thing to do. So I'm not preaching this today. I'm not teaching this today like it's something really easy. In fact, surrender is really difficult. But when we're invited into the family of God, we're called to a life that is not our own. In fact, we're invited into a life of surrender. We see this in Matthew, Matthew 11 and 28 in our text. Jesus says this. He says, take my yoke upon you. I love what the message reads. It kind of helps. If we don't know what a yoke is, it helps us to understand a little better. The message says this. It says, walk with me. How many of you know that when you walk with Jesus, he's the leader and you're not? When you're walking with Jesus, it requires a surrendering of your ways and a surrendering of your ideas. But what actually is a yoke? What, what is, because most translations say, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? The Lexham Bible Dictionary describes a yoke as a wooden bar placed over the neck of a person or an animal as a mark of slavery. That's what it meant during the first century. It's metaphorically referred to the way of a slave or the way of a plowing oxen. A yoke was placed on them by their master as the master would direct them. So we've got to remember that this narrative that we're reading in these short few verses, Jesus is speaking to a primarily Jewish audience. So what did this mean to a first century Jew when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you? Well, in the Jewish context, a rabbi was a teacher of the scriptures. And a rabbi had something that was called a yoke. And a rabbi would come and he would invite people to take the yoke of a rabbi or to take the way of a rabbi upon them. And, and here's what it meant when somebody received the yoke of a rabbi. It meant that they were invited to surrender their ways and their life to the ways of the rabbi. For example, a rabbi was invited to memorize, or excuse me, a disciple was invited to memorize the words of their rabbi. A disciple was invited to adopt their rabbi's interpretation of the scriptures. A disciple was invited to imitate the ministry model of the rabbi. The, the, the disciple was invited to multiply the teachings of the rabbi by making disciples of their own. And so here comes Jesus into this Jewish context where all of the Jews understand what it means to take on the yoke of a rabbi. And Jesus says to this crowd, he says, take my yoke upon you and take my ways upon you. Surrender to what I want for you. Surrender to the will of my father in my ways. See, when Jesus recruits us to his family, we're called and invited to surrender a lot of things. The, the first thing I know is we're called to surrender is we're called to surrender our preferences. See, a lot of us think, I prefer this group over that group. So I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to be cool with them. I'm going to love them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good friend to them, but not that group. And Jesus says, no, I'm calling you to surrender to be good to everybody. Some of us say, well, I'm okay ministering to people with this sin persuasion, but the people with this sin persuasion, yeah, I don't prefer them. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to minister to them and love them the way I'm going to these people. And Jesus says, oh no, you don't get a preference in the kingdom. We're, we're going to make sure that every type of sinner gets to hear the love of Christ, gets to hear the, the good news about what I've done for them. We're called to surrender our past. This is a tough one. We're called to forgive those who've wounded us, to forgive those who've neglected or abused us, regardless of how large or small the offense is. And I don't want to make light of anything that anybody has ever done to anybody in this room today. But I also don't want to make light of the fact that we're called to surrender and we're called to let go of our past. That doesn't mean what somebody did to us was okay. It just means that we're letting go of it and we're putting it into the hands of God because we surrender it. We're called to surrender our past life of sin and to begin to resist the nagging present temptations of sin in our present life. We're called to avoid sin at call cautious, go steer completely away from the things that tempt us. We're called with the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to avoid sin. We're called to surrender popularity. Not only our preferences, our past, but we're called to surrender popularity. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, you're invited to surrender your popularity with the world. How many of you know that Christianity is quickly becoming the least popular religion on the planet? I mean, there's a lot of religion in this world, and Christianity is becoming one of the most unpopular. It's not popular to be a believer. It's not popular to be Christian because we're called to be different. We're called to stand out from the world around us. This means that you won't fit in the popular opinion of people around you. His invitation to take his yoke upon us is an invitation of surrender, an invitation of giving up our preferences, our past, and our popularity. Here's the question for you today. I believe the Holy Spirit might be asking all of us, and it's on the screen. The question is this. Are you under the yoke of Jesus? Are you under the yoke of Jesus? And I want to just ask you to answer this question, which is a simple yes or no. And you can just write it in your notes. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. And if the answer is no, I want you to know today that it's not an accident that you're here. You didn't just just so happen to show up at the grace place. No, God had a divine appointment with you today. He wanted to remind you of his love. He wanted to remind you that he wants you to be a part of his family, that he will recover your life, that he is desiring to help you and answer some of the nagging questions of your heart. And some of you maybe said yes today. I, I am under the yoke of God. And, and, and I would raise my hand and say, yes, I am too. But I would also raise my hand and say, well, it's actually yes, but it's also kind of no too. Because surrendering is a life work. How many of you know that? It, we don't just like give our life to Jesus and we're perfectly surrendering. All compartments and all areas of our, of our lives are just good to go. We got it. Yeehaw, giddy up, ride that, ride that horse. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't in my notes, but it just felt, it felt like the right thing to do. But it's a lifelong work. Surrender is a lifelong practice. So, so I would say, yes, I'm surrendered to the yoke of Jesus, but, but no, there are some areas in my life that I need to surrender and I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me suggest a few things that you can do to help surrender to the yoke of Jesus. Might I suggest to you what is suggested to the young Jewish boys as they would take on the yoke of their rabbi. I would suggest to you today that in order to surrender to Jesus, 
We should memorize the words of our Rabbi Jesus, our teacher Jesus. We should start memorizing some of his words. I, I think that if we want to surrender to his yoke, we should adopt his interpretation of scripture. We should just listen really clearly to the words of Jesus as he teaches and that he helps us to understand all of the scriptures. Because the crazy thing is that Jesus speaks to and preaches to all of the Old Testament texts and help us to understand how all of that applies to our life today. We should imitate his ministry model. We should imitate the way he loved people. We should imitate the way he walked through the crowds. We should imitate the fact that he did not discriminate. He went to the rich. He went to the poor. He went to the religious. He went to the non-religious. He found the hypocrites. He found the murderers. And he made sure that they were fully aware of his good news. You know, it's so interesting that Jesus too was water baptized. We should probably imitate Jesus in the way that he was water baptized. Why would that be important? Because it was a declaration to everybody around him. It was a declaration to, to the religious community around him that, that, hey, I am the father's son and he is me. He is my father and I am here to serve him. And he is mine, and I'm going to surrender to his will. And so for every person that gets water baptized, it's a declaration to your friends and your family and the community around you that I have trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I am surrendering to my ways, surrendering to my preferences, and I'm going to live connected to the Father. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And if you've never been water baptized before, we're going to have a huge water baptism in just a few weeks. You can register on the church center app. You can go out in the lobby and ask somebody about it. We would love to see you get water baptized. Every recruit is called to a life of surrender. But how many know when surrendering gets difficult and we don't want to do it and the mind is weak and we are exhausted, it's kind of like the New Year's resolution. We're like, I'm going to surrender to my desires for sweets. I'm going to surrender to my desires for laziness and start going to the gym, start eating healthier and, and start getting up earlier and do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop complaining so much and I'm going to surrender to complaining and, and start complimenting and, and doing all the, and when we get tired and we want to give up at the end of the second week, um, here's something that could help you out in your notes. We serve out of devotion, not emotion. We so because we serve because we're devoted. People don't say married because they like everything about their spouse. Now, I don't know that firsthand because my wife is perfect. She does everything right. But I know some of you do. I know it's a struggle for some of you guys. No, in fact, Chris and I, we stay married because we're devoted. There's times, how many of you, there's times emotionally with your friends and your family and you're, you're not a parent because you always, because it always feels like the right thing to do. No, you're a parent out of devotion. There's times where you might want to strangle your kids. Not mine, of course. Mine's perfect, but your children, definitely totally joking. Or it might be in trouble. Send me an email. Yell at me. Do whatever you need to do. Get it off your chest. But we serve because we're devoted to the ways of God. You know, here's the truth. If I served only when I felt like it, I wouldn't serve that often. If I cared only when I felt like it, I know I'm exposing my amazing pastoral heart. I might not care that all that often. Look, I care because I'm devoted. Yeah. 
I love because I'm devoted. I, I wrestle and struggle with the flesh the same way that you do. You and I, are the, we're the same people. We're made out of flesh. Just because I stand up here and I teach the word of God doesn't mean like Sean gets this incredible pass on struggle with sin. It's easy for him because he's a pastor. Like God hooked him up. No, I, I fight just like you do. I struggle just like you. I've got to remain devoted just like you. And here's the deal. At the Grace Place, we don't beg people around here to serve because we want people to serve out of devotion for God. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't manipulate people to serve. We, we invite people to recognize that they have been yoked to Jesus, that they've been called to Jesus, that they've taken on his yoke upon them. And here's what I know that and here's what you know too. If you have to continue to beg and manipulate people to get them to do things, you're going to continue to do it forever because they're only going to do it as long as you beg and manipulate them. But if you encourage your child and you call out the giftings in them and you let them know the responsibility they have as a part of the family and they learn that when I work, I get blessed and when I work hard, good things happen for me. When they begin to learn these basic principles, listen, I would rather my, my daughter serve and work out of love for mom and dad versus fear that I'm going to get punished if I don't. You know, if you don't Take out the trash, you're going to be grounded for a month. Okay, they might need to get grounded for a month or maybe even longer than that. But, but what I am saying is I would prefer for my daughter to go, I'm going to take the trash out of love for my father and love for my mother rather than fear for being grounded for the month. So we want to challenge you today to take on the yoke of Christ and live surrendered to the ways of Jesus. We're talking about the recruit today. In our scripture, we notice that every recruit is invited to rest and every recruit is invited to surrender. Lastly, today in your notes, every recruit is invited to serve. We see this in the latter part of verse 29. We read the first part. It's on the screen. It says this, take my yoke upon you. And then it says, and learn from me. How many know the best ways you learn from mom and dad is not by them going, here's how you take out the trash, son. You get a bag from the kitchen cabinet. You pull the bag out. You shake it up and down two to three times for it to open up. Then you stop. No, they go, come on, take this bag. Come and, come and walk with me. Learn from me. Here's how you put it in. Now you put it in. Here's how you pick it up. Here's how you make sure it doesn't drip all over the kitchen floor and the living floor as you walk it out to the garage and make a massive mess. You work with your parents. And, and in fact, the message version says this. It says, walk with me and work with me. Work with me. Jesus is calling us to learn with him as we work with him to portray the love of the Father to the world. Every recruit is invited to serve. It's the purpose of us being yoked to Jesus. How many know that we cannot work with Jesus if we first don't learn how to rest? And we've got to get those things in order and we've got to get them right. Here's what I know in your notes. We're not only saved from something, we're saved for something. I love that we're saved from sin and thank God for that. Anybody glad that they're saved from sin? But that's not the entire story. We're also saved for the purposes of God. Ephesians 2.10, it says it like this. For we are God's workmanship, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good 
works. Somebody say good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, from the foundations of the world, God's plan for humanity is that we would work the land and care for it. From the foundations of the world, God knew that man would fail, so he provided salvation. But he also, from the foundations of the world, knew that the way to share the good news of salvation with the world was to do it through people who would do good works in the kingdom of God. And that's where you and I come in. Now, today is going to be a little bit of a cliffhanger because some people might be like, you know, Sean, man, I'm beginning to see that God's called me for more than what I'm doing. I'm ready to serve my family, serve in the workplace with a new new attitude, with with a new way about me. I want to be about the Father's business in my life. But I want you to know today, we're not, we're not going to challenge you necessarily today to do that. Some of you might be like, I'm ready to serve in my church in a new way. We're not going to ask you to sign up for anything today, but we are going to ask you to consider your heart and to consider the question, yes, Jesus, I'm ready to serve with you. No, I am not. Anybody who takes his yoke upon them, they've got to be ready to serve. And next week, we're going to be talking about some really important things. And the reason why we're not asking people to sign up for a ministry team or do something is because it's important that you first understand that you have a fit in the family of God. And that fit is always in line with your giftings and talents. That fit is also in line with your spiritual maturity. That fit is also needs to be in line with the mission and vision of the house. So today, as we're talking about the recruits, I want to make sure that we're all clear and that we've all answered all of these questions. Have I said yes to Jesus when it comes to resting and being a part of the family of God? Have I said yes to surrendering to the ways of Jesus? And have I said yes to being willing to serve Jesus. And it all has to go in that order today. I want to share with you something today before we close that I'm calling our caring capacity. We mentioned this a few months ago. What is a caring capacity? If I were to define a caring capacity, here's what it means. It means our caring capacity determines how many people we're capable of discipling into committed followers of Jesus who are missionally focused. See, Jesus has not called you and I or this church to fill buildings up. He's called us to make disciples. And there's a lot of people that fill buildings, and I'm glad for them, and I'm happy for them. And I want us to fill this building. But not only do I want to see us fill this building, we're here to make disciples. And, you know, sometimes at the Grace Place, you know, when you're challenging people to make disciples, it's not always fun. People are not always super motivated. They're not always super pumped up. But I want you to know that God has called us for something higher. He's called us to be missional people. I mean, when you see what Jesus did with people in Scripture, when they became a follower of Jesus, they did just that. Sometimes they left their family for short periods of time. They left their places of employment, and they went full out on mission for Jesus. And I just want you to consider your life today as you wonder, what does it look like for me to live on mission for Jesus? I think it looks like everybody in this house doing our part in the family so that we can carry the load. See, our carrying capacity is one to three. Here's what that means. That means for every three people that are in our church, 
or excuse me, for every one person that enters in our church, it takes, for every three people that come to our church, it takes one person to care for them. Thank you for nodding with me and thank you for agreeing with me. I received that, sister. I am on point right now in this moment. I want you to know that right now, um, we have 172 A-teamers. People that are saying, I'm all in, Sean. I've been recruited. I'm on mission to help carry the mission of this house. That means our carrying capacity is about 516 people. And if we want to increase our carrying capacity, how many, how many have family members that you want to see saved? How many of you have friends at work that you would like to see God help them with their life and, and heal them and, and bring deliverance to their life? I do too. So that means we have to increase our carrying capacity. And I think that if we were to increase our carrying capacity, 28 more people, that would allow us to care for 600 people in this church. And I think that's highly possible. I think that's actually really, really easy to do. And I wanna ask you this question. Do you wanna see this house? Do you wanna see your world and the people that God has put you around so that you could influence them for Christ? Would you like to see them come and be a part of the family of God?